I'm Stephen Foxworthy. Welcome to Disenfranchised. We're that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. And uh, joining me today, all eye-patched up and looking grisly and gnarly and like he's been through four days of torture, uh, it's it's my co-host, Brett Wright. Hi, Brett. Hello, Stephen. Uh, how are we doing today, my friend? Uh, about exactly how you just described <laughs> long night uh not really just you know long week maybe okay lots of lots of uh, unexpected torture from uh short british men with wigs and red suits all the time all the time (laughs) and of course joining us today uh is uh returning back to the show uh our friend uh he is an author he is a podcaster he is a filmmaker uh just a general all-around raconteur uh, he is uh, a man of many talents. You have probably heard him on our Space Truckers episode. Uh, you've probably heard him on our Abe Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter episode. And you should have heard him uh, on the Endless Elsewhere podcast. Uh, it's our good friend J.P. Leck. Joseph, how are you, sir? Speak. That's how uh, she answers the phone. Speak. Right. Speak. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, Joseph, I am well. I'm, you, <laughs> I'm very good. How are you? <laughs> oh, doing all right today. Doing all right today because we are here to talk about uh, this movie for for good or ill. We are here to talk about um, a, a movie that you selected knowing absolutely nothing about it. As is my criteria for coming on this show. It's got to be something I've never seen and know very little about. And yeah, sometimes you take a stab in the dark and you hit Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Right in the eye. Right in the eye. Right in the eye. (laughs) Uh, It it looked very intentional when Matt Lucas did it in this movie, but apparently with you, it was not. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Stumbling around in the dark. (laughs) What movie are we covering at Joseph's behest today, Brett? We are covering Polar. 2019's Polar, uh, not to be confused with 2019's Polar, uh, or 2018's Arctic. Arctic, a movie starring Mads Mikkelsen, 2019's Polar, um, apparently there was another movie, uh, directed by Dominic Jackson that came out in 2019. That was also called polar. That's not this movie. This movie was directed by Jonas Ackerland, uh, and stars the aforementioned Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, Catherine Winnick, Faye Wren, Ruby O. Fee, Matt Lucas, Robert Malier. Sorry, Robert. It's probably Robert. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, Anthony Grant, uh, Josh Crudas, uh, Lavina Yavari. Uh, Aisha Issa, and uh, also Richard Dreyfus and Johnny Knoxville, um, who prompted the uh, the opening of this episode, just like he opened this movie. Uh, I did half so expect, he, and of course so he didn't open the movie that way. But I I half expected him to, just because I spent all last Sunday watching the Jackass films for the first time. How was that? Um, it was an experience. I got. I'll tell you that. Never seen. Um, I don't know anything about it. I'm it, curious. It's probably okay. okay. I, I, I have a newfound respect and admiration for Johnny Knoxville now. I will say that. Okay. Um, the things, the, the lengths that man will go to as an entertainer, um, unparalleled. My favorite is when he um, uh, puts on roller skates and goes into a, a buffalo enclosure <laughs> and starts dancing on roller skates in front of the Buffalo enclosure. And then the Buffaloes are released. I think this is Jackass two or three and uh, they all come racing out and um, just run him right over. And they ask him afterwards <laughs> how he feels. And he goes, I feel like I just got run over by a Buffalo. I was like, 
Wow. Well, it's, it's important to mention what song he's dancing to. Which is? You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. Right. So, of course, he is roller skating. And, and of course, before the buffaloes are released, he's dancing around. He's singing. Um, he's just having a good old time. One One thing I will say for the Jackass films is every single one of them ends with a large choreographed dance number uh, that um, invariably ma- maintains that all of them end up getting hurt. Uh, and it's great. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And I kind of love it. So Okay. Sounds good. I don't know if I'd go with great, but sure. <laughs> I, I mean, Who here's the thing. Up? I am a sucker for big elaborate dance numbers. So it's same, fun. same. Um, easily my favorite part of those last two films. The first one I forgot actually doesn't end in a big elaborate dance number. It ends in what was supposed to be uh, a gigantic stunt that never, they could never get right. So it literally just ends with Johnny Knoxville jumping into like diving into water. And then Rip Taylor comes out and like throws some confetti. That's that's the ending of the first movie (laughs) because they couldn't actually get the stunt right for the first one. Well, we're not here to talk about Jackass. We're, we're not here to talk about, here to talk about 2019's Polar. Not that Polar, the other Polar. polar. Right. The, <laughs> Glad the, the I watched one, the right one. The one you're most likely me to have probably heard of. <laughs> yeah, of course, Joseph, you did that thing where I ask you if you remember the movie and you're like, yeah, Polar Express. <laughs> Loved it, except for those dead, dead eyes. Um, this is true. <laughs> both of which are apparently streaming on Netflix right now, I learned when searching for this movie. So I, I absolutely could have made that mistake. Yeah. You absolutely <laughs> could have made that mistake. We're so glad you didn't. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have a lot to say in this episode. Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're here to talk about the 2019 film Polar. And uh, normally at this point, I would ask um, kind of what everybody's familiarity with this is. Obviously, Joseph picked it having no knowledge of the source comic book zero um no knowledge of what the film was i think which became really apparent as i was watching it going joseph picked this <laughs> uh just seems like a very un-joseph movie to pick thousand uh, percent i'm sitting there going man i hope he put the kids to bed before he turned this on <laughs> yeah they were they were they were dead to the world it's fine oh, oh good uh, i can't <laughs> i can't imagine how long your wife lasted watching this either Actually, I watched it alone. So yeah, yeah she, she would have tuned out pretty early too. I was going to say that 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 tracks because I, I cannot <laughs> imagine Lindsay sitting down and going, ooh, Polar, what's this? Not her cup of tea. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but Brett, did you, I, I think I know the answer to this question. Did you have any familiarity with the source comic, any familiarity with this movie at all uh, outside of the Mads Mikkelsen of it all? No. Well, and my suspicions are confirmed. <laughs> Hooray. Speak. Speak, Brett. Speak. <laughs> okay, um, Stephen, did you know about the comic book or the movie or any of it? I, when the movie came out, I had looked up the comic book because I had seen that it was based on a comic book, but I did not watch this movie when it first came out because okay. most of the reviews were bad. Uh, I believe the phrase Edgelord John Wick got thrown around a lot when this oh, that's, movie came out. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's good. That's good reviewing. <laughs> so, that's, that's some that's some solid film criticism right there. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so I kind of avoided this one, but I knew that it was based on a comic book. I knew that comic book had gotten, or I'm sorry, a graphic novel, uh, lest I pissed off the comic book fans, a, a group notorious for being very chill about oh, uh, yes. errors. Heaven forfend, we, we we insult the, the nerds. Particularly very minor errors. They're just very chill, very calm about oh, yeah. those on the internet. 
Um, it's a good community. It's they're just they're solid people, just solid stand up people who've never done anything wrong, <laughs> who love um, to be antagonized on podcasts. <laughs> right. A quick Google search here. Um, oh, dear. Oh, I were we mistaken? Shut up. <laughs> Did we get that wrong? Oh, man. Uh, can we, can we Brett, cut this out? Quick. <laughs> I'll edit out all of that. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. Thank you. Yes, lest they lest they come for my children who do not exist. Um, but uh, I so I knew about the comic. I've not actually read the comic. Um, I know a little bit about the comic. I know it is created by uh, one Victor Santos. Uh, I know it is the original graphic novel was completely devoid of dialogue whatsoever, uh, which is really yeah, which I think is kind of awesome. It's all done that in black and white yeah. with like some red. Uh, highlights when it was released in for American audiences, of course, they added words because heaven forbid we look at a picture and try to figure out what's going on. And um, Americans do love to read. So right. Notoriously love to read. Um, <laughs> so they actually did add dialogue in uh, to the American uh, Dark Horse edition of the of the graphic novel. Uh, but I have not read it. I don't know much about it. I don't know how faithful this is to the source material. Um I mean, it looked, the art looks awesome. I've, I did Google some of the art before we started recording and it looks really freaking cool. Hmm. Um, but uh, it doesn't, the style doesn't really match up to what this movie is doing. This movie seems to be doing something completely different um, okay. than the the style of the, the comics, at least from what I could gather. Um, it's not one of those like where you actually, well, well we, we use the panels from the comic as our story. Sin City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that. In fact, this, the, the art style is very, it's very dynamic. So it's not your standard, like nine panel page. Um, it's, it's very, very different and very cool. It looks really fantastic. Hmm. Um, and at the time this was made there, I think there were like two or three graphic novels out. There were a couple more coming. Um, so, I mean, this is a, a series of graphic novels that they probably could have continued to, to adapt um, had this movie a not been completely buried by Netflix and B had the reviews been significantly better. So. Hmm. Interesting. Well, they released it between John wick chapter two and three. So John wick, super popular. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves it. it is great. I also it love is. it. Yeah. Um, but, John wick, uh, better movie than this. I will say that. Yeah. Same. Um, so, I mean, Everybody, everybody's trying to be John Wick and I can understand the bad reviews on this one for that reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, when you're looking at it and that's, that's, I think always the danger of imitation, right. Is you're trying to, and of course that's something that comes up constantly on this podcast is we're chasing like the next popular thing. And when you've got a thing as popular as John Wick, which is very stylized action, uh, you're going to get a lot of imitators. Um, and ultimately, this does not live up to the standards of like a John Wick. Mads Mikkelsen is great. I'm less interested in seeing him. <laughs> Long pause. After no, that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had like a I had like a, a whiskey burp in there. So I just thought that was the extent of your positive reviews for this. No. Well, Mads Mikkelsen is great. Long no, I, pause. I do have some positive. I am generally favorable on this movie, which puts me at odds with everybody on Letterboxd who hates this thing. So um, uh, that surprises me. So it was that widely panned. I, I figured it'd be a little yeah. more popular. We'll, okay. we'll get into the reviews for it here in a second. Sure, sure. But it, again, this is kind of one of those things that Netflix, they release a trailer like the week before it comes out and then just kind of dump it. Mm -hmm. um, and which is a problem with net, the Netflix model, right? Is you're trying to put out so much content, so much content that you really can't 
you really can't keep up with all the stuff that you're trying to put out ultimately. And so what ends up happening is you get, uh, there's stuff that comes out and people just never hear about, or you don't sure. advertise it in their particular market. Like where we are in the Midwest, we don't see any Netflix marketing at all outside of probably maybe social media sites. Whereas I'm sure in New York, there are maybe bill or in, in Los Angeles, kind of the, the polls of American entertainment, there are probably billboards, probably subway or bus ads, things like that. So that people are like, oh, there's a new Mads Mikkelsen movie coming to Netflix. Whereas it, unless you're looking for it, you don't know unless you log into Netflix and it just pops right up there for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which again, I think is, is a problem of the Netflix model overall. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this is, this is one that Netflix kind of buried. Um, and again, the reviews were generally not positive. Again, edgelord John wick is, is kind of the, <laughs> is kind of the rallying cry, um, which I get from this. I'm like, I, I can see how you get there, but I do, I do have some favorable things to say here. Um, As do I, as do I. Mads Mikkelsen, again, I think he's great in this movie. I think Mads Mikkelsen is universally great, but he is a he is still, at least in this mode, I would say less compelling than Keanu Reeves is, um, just because that is a mode that Keanu Reeves, I think, is very comfortable in, whereas I think where I find Mads more interesting is in that kind of, like, cool, brooding, sitting in a chair, leaning back, playing with poker chips, eating a, you know, very fancy meal, while he, you know, deconstructs you psychologically. Like that's, whereas in this, he's just kind of the stoic, silent type and he plays it really well. But again, like I'm I'm less drawn into that. Maybe it's the filmmaking, maybe it's the script. I don't know. I, I want to give him credit for the performance because I think he's good, but I, this is not necessarily the mode I like him in personally. Yeah, I can get behind that. That's that's a good breakdown of it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, uh, Brett, Mads Mickelson thoughts? You you favorable on Mads? Sure. Cool. Speak. Brett's in monosyllabic mode today for some reason. <laughs> can we can we get him back to the factory reset position? <laughs> I'd appreciate that. Could you do that? That would be great. Um, uh, I, I think Brett is. Uh, you're still on your first cup of coffee, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, this is this is a for everyone listening. This is a slightly earlier recording than typically is done, at least the ones with me in it. So, yeah, we're all a little sluggish. You have to bear with us. We are. And and of course, we're we're going early today because Brett has uh, has a big party tonight. So we're trying to get him out the door for that. But he's got a big Settlers of Catan get together. Is that right, Brett? That's I think what I heard. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) D&D. Nothing to do with sports ball, right? Because you're not in sports ball, are you, Brett? No, Parrish is not. Okay, very good. Just wanted to clear that up for everybody. Right, just wanted to make sure that was uh, on the record. Um, but yeah, so Mads Mikkelsen, great. Um, and, you know, I, I I feel like, you know, I generally like, he's great in Hannibal. I love him in Hannibal. Um, really, I think he's um, surprisingly good in Rogue One, honestly. Uh, kind of a forgotten, really undersung performance there, but I think he's pretty good in it. Um, but I really, really like him. Uh, of course, we talked about him in Chaos Walking, a movie I have so thoroughly forgotten. I forgot he was in that movie. It seemed pretty forgettable. It's so forgettable, Joseph. I can't even tell you how forgettable that movie Have is. you seen, speaking of Mads Mikkelsen movies that are far from forgettable, that are quite memorable, have you seen Valhalla Rising? I have not. 
Um, have you heard of Valhalla Rising? I have not. Is it a movie we could cover on this podcast? I doubt it. Oh, it's I a don't Nicholas know. Winding Refn, so yeah, probably not. I don't think they intended to do more. Um, uh, Mad shirtless on the cover, though. I like on the poster, though. I like that. A, it's That's a Viking movie. It's. I don't think he speaks a single word. I think he also has an eye missing in this movie as well. Really, really good. Nice. Very visual. Very dynamic. It's yeah. It's got some good stuff in it. I am going to put that one on my two to watch list. I think uh, that was my first introduction to him years ago, and I was like, "Who is this cat?" And, well, yeah. For me, it was Casino Royale. That was my first um, the Mads Mikkelsen. Well, another movie that features a torture scene between Mad, Mads Mikkelsen and a British person. <laughs> um, so there's that. That's, sure. that's some, some fun trivia for you. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a hyper-specific letterbox list later on down the road. I already have one <laughs> hyper-specific letterbox list for this movie. Um, Which but, is what? Uh, Which is uh, what? It's, um, it's uh, movies based on comics with single word titles that feature Richard Dreyfus in a small but villainous role. What else falls into that category? Uh, red. The uh, he's the in red. Willis, oh, I, he, I don't remember the, him in he's red. He's the bad guy. That's Is literally he? like oh. his movie for like his line for like the entire last act of the movie. He's walking around going, "I'm the bad guy," oh, in that goodness. Richard Dreyfus voice of his. Goodness. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so yeah, there there it is. It's 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 red and it's this. So right. do with that which like he's got a one scene performance that kicks off with him singing really bad karaoke to Roger Miller's King of the Road and then getting a, a whiskey with Mads Mickelson uh and then uh poisoning him. Like that's a, that's the role. <laughs> that's the, very, that's, very bizarre cameos, very strange. It's one of those that lets you know they probably wanted to do a sequel because why do you cast Richard Dreyfus in a role that small unless you're gonna do something else with him in the next movie? That makes sense. So I mean again, it's it's kind of one of those like, oh yeah, they were clearly fishing for a sequel in this one. Gotcha. So um, but for good or ill, we've we've kind of talked a lot about this movie. We've gone uh, not quite we've we've gone surface level on Mads, uh, but we really should talk about the plot of this film a little bit. Joseph, you're our guest today. Am I? This is your third time on this podcast. You know the drill by now, right? It's my trifecta. Yeah, I'm ready. I've got some notes. I'm going right. to cheat because I've tried doing without notes, and it's always a train wreck. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: it's not much better when we do it without notes either. Yeah, but you guys do it entertainingly. Me, uh, not so we, much. We try. Uh, I enjoy listening to you guys do it. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I've got a minute on the clock. So whenever you're ready, you go ahead and start. I will give you the 30 and 10 second warnings as per usual. But Please you go do. ahead and start and uh, I will catch up with you. And go. The Black Kaiser, an assassin two weeks away from a forced retirement, which his employers will pay him millions, moves to a cabin in the middle of nowhere. He buys a dog, but accidentally kills said dog during a flashback nightmare in which he murdered a whole family, leaving only a young girl alive. <sighs> Deep breath. He's then called in for one more job, but it's a trick. His employers hatched a plot to kill him to avoid paying the Kaiser his millions and hitman pension money. But the attempt on his life fails. Duh. The Kaiser returns to his cabin where he befriends a neighbor girl with a traumatic past. All the while, the organization's best team of killers have been hunting for the Kaiser. They surprise attack him at the cabin, but it doesn't go well for them. However, they kidnap the neighbor girl camille who the kaiser must thou rescue uh while seeking intel the kaiser is captured by richard dreyfus who turns over to who turns him over to the baddies who torture the kaiser for days then he escapes kills so very very many seconds. people saves his friend uh but then comes the reveal that camille is the young girl whose family the kaiser slaughtered years before she's considered she considers killing the kaiser to avenge her lost loved ones but said spares his life the two then team up to go hunt down those who order the hit on her family that's time oh uh. Just just over, but hey, 
Uh, uh, not bad. Here's the thing. You, you <laughs> did not spend the first 30 seconds going over the first 10 minutes of the movie, uh, uh, which I, is, <laughs> I think, a step in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Okay. Because uh, the first time you were here, if you recall, that is 100%. The first time I was here, I was like, the script was written by... We, we, we fade into a, a star-filled sky as a ship slowly comes in. You're like, no, dude, come on. <laughs> Speed it up, buddy. 60 seconds, man. Do you know how long 60 seconds is? Dennis Hopper was born in 1940. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, about this, my sixth appearance, I'll have this nailed. <laughs> a couple more Honestly, times. Honestly, you were so close this time. You'll have it. Sure. You'll have it next uh, time for sure. It's absolutely. It, you, you got it. Um, but yeah, so that is that is the movie Polar from 2019. Mm. Um, and this movie owes a lot to, I think, every other action movie that was kind of popular within the last decade. I mean, the Richard Dreyfus moment really reminded me of his role in Reds. Again, he just kind of shows it, which is another movie about a aging, retired assassin. Um, mm. And he plays a bad guy in it. Um and then, of course, the corridor fight scene after he breaks out of torture reminds me very much of Old Boy. Like I was getting old some boy. real, yep. like, I mean, less acrobatic, obviously, but was getting some real old boy, old boy vibes from that. Yeah, we've um, seen a few incarnations of the Old Boy hallway fight scene in various things, haven't we? Oh my gosh, it's like. But honestly, I'm always here for it. I'm totally fine with it. It's it's a it's, great it's scene. I don't so think good. anyone can do it better than Old no, Boy did it. I'm, definitely I not. I have definitely to give not. props to the John Wick franchise for not really trying mm. to replicate the Old Boy fight, the hallway fight sequence. But like, we it was in every single one of the Marvel Netflix shows. Like every <laughs> every season of those had at least one episode where ten minutes was devoted to a just extended hallway fight scene. I, the one they did for Daredevil was pretty ba though. I liked that one a lot. The first one, I think, I agree, was really fantastic. That was great. Uh, the second one was a little too overdone, like mm. overproduced. Like you got the CG stuff and like the close ups and the zoom outs. Oh yeah, no. But thanks. I think I think the first season of Daredevil may be my favorite of the old boy homages absolutely um, i'm sure your brother's gonna tell me all the all the things that i i got wrong um <laughs> like actually it's this and here's why you're wrong um which seems expect, like a very expect a lengthy email from sam <laughs> i was gonna say it feels like a very sam thing to do 100%. um but uh but yeah i mean so this one again it, it it feels like it's indebted in some ways to old boy but it doesn't in terms of like the filmmaking and the style, it feels nothing like old boy at all. Yeah. The style was, was something else. I, I had, I struggled with it quite a bit. The, uh, the invasive exploitive camera work mm. got really old, very wanted in that regard. Again, another kind of fairly recent, the highly like sexualized characters and scenes. Like when you crank it up to 11, it becomes gimmick. Mm -hmm. and not storytelling yeah i was like okay can we can we it's not a music video pull it back guys come on focus on the story uh the character cindy um anytime she's not like laying on the sexual charisma i was like she is an entire mood uh they're <laughs> killing like the the group of people in new jersey and she's got a giant pickle jar under her arm just snacking right. on pickles and i'm like right. hell yes here for that she's like cackling and crying and i can't tell which one when they shoot the drag queen in austin yeah i was confused by that as well yeah i'm just like her character like I, I don't know what the mood is but it is an entire mood absolutely like, <laughs> and and then of course she switches between two moods like completely unhinged and deranged and then horny like right. she is just completely horny like and that's 
she doesn't ever kill anyone either. She's just like there while people are being killed. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's funny. Yeah. Like she never at like when all of them pull their guns to kill the drag queen, she doesn't kill anybody. Hmm. Uh, when they're all shooting the the New Jersey kids, she doesn't kill anybody. The only thing she does is after they kill the guy in Florida who smacks her, she mm. takes the knife and just stabs him a whole bunch of right, times in the chest. Right, like that's right. as violent as she gets, but she that doesn't whole, actually kill anyone. That whole middle section of the movie where they kept jumping back and forth between the assassins hunting Mads Mikkelsen and Mads Mikkelsen and Vanessa Hudgens, is that her name? Who yeah. was fantastic, by the way. I really liked Did her. not recognize her at all. I thought she was way. fantastic. I, I don't know much. Really I don't good, know much yeah. about her, but she's great. But yeah, um, when they would like, I would like, I would love the Mads Mikkelsen, Vanessa Hudgens stuff, mm-hmm. but then they would cut back to the assassin stuff. And I'm just like, come on, can we, can we get through this? I want to go back to the middle of nowhere. I want to see these two bonding in the small town. I really enjoyed that part. The assassins hunting them, like, killing everybody. Not so much. It felt like two different movies. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly, that was my thought as well. I it felt very like contrasting, but not in a you know dyna- dynamic way. It just felt not fluid at all. I, I get that. I kind of liked the assassins killing just because that stuff was really funny. Like the start of the movie where they killed Johnny Knoxville and then they're escaping by helicopter. And then the next thing you know is we're literally having a sing along to that. Um, that got me. That was good. There were good comedic beats in this movie. Like the, uh, the prostate exam and then pie. Yeah. Oh, I laughed hard at that. I was like, that's great. Because it would have been so absolutely. it would have been so on point for like the Mads Mikkelsen character to be like, no, I don't want any pie because you know he's the brooding tough guy. Mm-hmm. But his, do- his doctor pulls the glove off. Hey, you want some fresh pie? Yeah, I'd like that. And they sit there and eat pie together. In and the he office. pulls it out of the refrigerator. Yes, where with all the, the medications are stored. <laughs> like, I'm just like, this is, I mean, and again, it's just that kind of, it's just slightly off center. Like all the humor is very askew. Yeah. I really liked the assassin stuff. I did. I, I wanted more sing-alongs though. Like when they're killing the drag queen in Austin and he's singing uh-huh. Islands in the Stream, I wanted to sing along to Islands in the Stream. I thought that would have been really fun. Like they never revisit that later. And I'm, I was kind of bummed about that. They really should have like ended the movie that way. That should have been like the credits. They're all doing like a big sing along. That that seems perfect. I, mean, I also liked uh, him teaching the class in the small town about oh like how to assassinate people. That got me too. That was fantastic. Yeah, so when he's funny. like spo- when he's ostensibly supposed to be teaching them about like geography or something, like languages or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and he comes in with like, okay, this kind of knife is good for slashing, <laughs> but not so good for what stabbing. That's right, not so good for stabbing. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, if Joseph's kids were in this classroom, they would be asking much more harder hitting questions than this. <laughs> They'd be like, we know all this. Can we get to the advanced stuff? Come on, <laughs> right? Quit, quit boring us. Show me again how a chokehold works. <laughs> But it, uh, it, it honestly reminded me a little bit of uh, the scene in Hot Fuzz where Simon Pegg is um, in the classroom and the photographer, the reporter keeps asking him all these like really inappropriate mm, questions. Right, right. And at any point, I expected the teacher to just come up from the back and go, all right, class, thank you so much to Mr. No, she just sits back there and makes weird faces the whole time. And I'm like, what? This teacher cannot be making any money at all because- if, if she were worth her salt or cared even a little bit, this guy I, I, would not have lasted this long. I cannot imagine anyone trying to interrupt Mads Mikkelsen giving a knife demonstration. I'd be I like, mean, nope, you, you, you finish your piece. You do your thing, buddy. 
the floor he is gets, yours, sir. He gets the little redhead kid up there and like demonstrates how to like <laughs> hack a person to shreds. And you're just like, at any uh, point, I half expected the kid's overalls to like fall off <laughs> because he's just like slashing this knife around really fast. Yeah. Like, here's what it can do. And I'm like, is this kid going to die? Am I going to witness child death? I've already witnessed canine death in this movie, which is traumatic enough. You know, I probably needs a trigger warning on it because I honestly murders a French bulldog in this movie. I have a hot take about that. I honestly respect a movie with the cojones to kill the dog. I don't want a dog to die. I don't want to. I don't want the dog to die either. But a film that's actually going to do it uh, in in a movie that like slaughters human beings wholesale, just in the most gruesome, bloody, gory way possible. You might as well just shoot the dog. But the fact they did it by accident, that was then he gets a goldfish. I, I <laughs> slightly see, better luck with I the love goldfish. bulldogs. I own a boxer American bulldog mix. Like uh-huh. I love bulldogs. Um, so I was so distraught after that that I literally grabbed <laughs> grabbed my dog's blanket out of my bedroom and brought it to the couch. And he's not allowed on the couch, but I let him get on the couch and I snuggled him for the entire rest of the Oh wow. That's because beautiful. I was just like, I <laughs> I'm so upset right now. I need my dog. <laughs> I, I appreciated it too because he's reading a book about how to train, like how to raise your new dog. And then he gets a book about how to raise your new goldfish. Oh, yes. That was great too. He's <laughs> right. just sitting back there in his armchair. How to raise a goldfish. So good. Like again, the comedic beats in this movie, few as they are, were just spot on. And I think the killing the dog is just a reference, maybe a fuck you to John Wick. Because like, look, we can kill a dog in our movie too. Like, Honestly, so you're that's probably a very good point, Brett. That's do we, probably exactly do, why. Do we know? if these john wick comparisons or like were they trying to mirror john wick do we know that for sure is it like a coincidence i've not read anything um from the filmmaker that suggests that it that that where he admits that it was intentional okay um, but it almost has to be right because i, mean, I, I assume is the closest analog in the public consciousness it, it's got to be right because i assume the comic book predates the first john wick film but you said there's quite a bit of difference between the comic and the film so maybe it yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if there is or not, just because I'm not, I'm not familiar with the comic. Well, there's me... the thing about the comic. It's uh, when the guy originally wrote it and there was no dialogue, he didn't have a story in mind because he mm. didn't, uh, he didn't want to worry about translating it from Spanish to English. So he just didn't hmm. include any dialogue and was like, I don't have a story. I'm just going to draw pictures and you know because it was a web comic first so right. it's just i'm going to draw pictures and go with what my audience wants and interesting once okay. they brought it over here and added speech balloons it's sort of had a story yeah i mean the web comic comes out in 2012 the first john wick movie is 2014 so it's okay. two years I, i'm not even willing to say that john wick was influenced in any way by sure yeah by probably comic. not most likely so, not this is probably like we need a property that we can adapt that will let us tell a similar kind of story. Yeah. Or maybe it's someone who's like, I really like John Wick. I could probably use some things I like about John Wick to adapt this story and make it be really effing cool. Um, you know, that seems is, plausible yeah. is my guess. But but I it almost has to be influenced. This movie almost has to be influenced by John Wick. I, I don't think there's any way around it. What else has the director done? I did not do a deep dive on anybody involved. Right. You're fine. So John, uh, Jonas Ackland, Ackerlund, excuse me, is the director. He's uh, a Swedish filmmaker. Uh, he is known for the 2018 film Lords of Chaos. Oh, the metal movie. Yeah. Yeah. The and then burning metal movie. Yeah. yeah. And this he also directed the uh, Madonna uh, Ray of Light video. 
music video i call correct. it correct yeah anyway. uh, he's done a, honestly he's been a music video director right up until it looks right up until lords of chaos that explains a lot it does and it's okay. it's kind of one of those problems that we have with music video directors in that it's almost entirely style it looks like he did something unless you're david finch or david, david fincher, fincher unless you're him yeah. <laughs> uh, a director we may be talking about very soon wink. oh wink wink audience um but uh, we've got, uh, he did do a movie, it looks like in 2012 called Small Apartments uh, with, uh, also with Matt Lucas, um, with Peter Stormare, James Kahn, Juno Temple, uh, Saffron Burroughs, again, Johnny Knoxville, Rebel Wilson, uh, James So Marsden, another, another Jackass fan, I think, was the director, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Directors love Jackass. John John Waters was in one of those Jackass movies. Was he? <laughs> he was, yeah. And I'm just I like, I mean, I mean, of course, it's John Waters. Billy Crystal, Dolph Lundgren, uh, like the Jeez. cast on this, Dave Keckner. The, the cast on this movie is kind of insane. This is still Small Apartments, right? Yeah, that's all, that's all the same movie. It looks like. What is this movie? I've never I heard of it. I don't know. It looks it looks quasi demented. I'm not going to lie. I, I would expect nothing else from this. I guy. mean, any anything that stars Matt Lucas around 2012 has got to be somewhat demented. A he's funny is, though. I like him. He's, he he's good stuff. A man is surrounded by strange events and odd neighbors in this adaptation of Chris Millis's novel. So. Hmm. Okay. There you go. It's a novel adaptation. It stars Matt Lucas. The the poster is him with a bunch of different wigs on and making a bunch of different faces, uh, which makes me wonder if he plays a lot of different characters in that movie. Uh, so he did make that. He made it, it looks like another movie in 2009 called Horseman. Um, so, but it doesn't look like any of these movies are particularly successful because he spends all of the interim time making music videos. 2002, there's something called Spun that he did, um, which, um, mm, that's a disturbing poster. Um, so, I mean, you know, like he's, but he's been directing music videos since 1988. Okay. So he's, he's done them for, uh, he's done a lot of stuff for Madonna. He's done Smashing Pumpkins, Macy Gray, Metallica, The Cardigans, Roxette, Lenny Kravitz, Moby, U2, Ozzy Osbourne, um, Blink 182. He did the I Miss You video for Blink 182. Uh, mm. Rolling Stones, Rammstein, um, Devo, James Blunt, Maroon 5, Pink, Jennifer Lopez. Kesha. Okay, at this point, at this point, it would be faster to name the ones he has not made music videos for. <laughs> right. Lady Gaga. This is exact. I think I did this exact same thing for our um uh for our Constantine episode where I just listed a whole like every uh every music video that director had ever worked on um but and i mean even i was about some... to say no no just let him finish <laughs> <laughs> keep going Stephen. what else has he done uh paul mccartney beyonce uh Coldplay, robin thick david getta um rose mcgowan apparently had a music video taylor swift um the struts sigoros um pussy riot um did i say lady gaga he's done a couple of lady gaga videos queens of the stone age like fergie he's done a ton um wow okay yeah and then after this movie he made two more music videos for madonna and ozzy osbourne so okay like apparently that's something he loves to do and then occasionally he'll make a movie got it interesting but yeah so i mean yes the style the style stylization excuse me of this movie screams i'm a filmmaker who directs music videos absolutely Absolutely does yeah 
um, that bullet shot at the beginning that like barely misses the bird and like you're following yeah. the bullet. Like that's, that's some, some really dynamic camera movement straight out of a music video. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why do, yeah. Why does the first 10 minutes of this movie feel like a different movie? I, I, that's the part of the movie that's the most stylized weirdly with the exception of the flashback stuff, which is again, very heavily stylized. Um, but it's, it's the most stylized. And honestly, I kept expecting like Mads Mikkelsen to be like the leader of this group of people. And then when he wasn't, I was like, so what, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> and why is Mads Mikkelsen's character? The only person who does not get his name on screen. Like every other character, like all of the assassins, Mr. Blute, all of them get their names on the screen at some I think point. Did. I think they, they did. did the black Kaiser. I think they did. Yeah. The black did Kaiser. they? Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that too, Brett? Okay. I do. Yeah. Okay. okay. Then, then I am, I was clearly like not maybe, paying attention. Maybe that was when I was grabbing my blanket for my dog. I don't know. <laughs> Cause I didn't pause it when I did that. So maybe I missed that part, but that was before that for sure. Okay. Well then maybe Go I just off, missed Steven. it, Brett. <laughs> That's fine, man. It's then fine. maybe I just missed it. I think you did. <laughs> I must have. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I, so what else did we enjoy about this movie before we start digging into all the all the problems? What else did we enjoy about this? I movie? feel like we've been talking about the problems since the start. I <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, it was yeah, it's like I was saying earlier, like the whole Assassin's Guild, the uh what are they called? The the, the sword thing. Is what they call them. The Damocles. Oh, Damocles. Damocles, thank you. The Damocles. Or like anytime they would cut to that, I would kind of, you know tune out but the mads mickelson mads mickelson vanessa hudgens stuff i found really compelling and again i thought she was fantastic so anytime they would cut to like the cold cabin and it was them two bonding and getting to know each other i was really invested in that and then they cut back to all like the crazy nonsense and i'd be like okay let's can we get through this come on just finish killing the guy so we can go to the next scene come on. shoot him already kind of the same I, I felt the same way i was perpetually annoyed by that entire assassination team like this too i hated all of them and it made the movie so much longer it was like two hours long and i don't know that it needed to be two hours no. they didn't have enough story i'll agree with that hours. Yeah. yeah i and again i liked the assassination team i thought they were just like the right amount of goofy stupid fun uh maybe that's what i was looking for in this movie just more completely like off kilter as a but i like the way that they kind of merge like the grittiness with the like particularly in like the the torture scene later in the movie how they merge like the absolute goofiness of matt lucas's character with the kind of stoic grim um thing that mads mickelson has been doing this whole movie like it's a fine tightrope to walk and i think for the most part this movie does it pretty well i think there are some moments where it tips a little too far to one side or the other but i think for the most part they kind of balance those well obviously your miles may mileage may vary on that opinion um but i i don't know i i thought it was fun i i kind of i quite enjoyed that that yeah. section of the movie yeah the end the end sure the torture scene yes i, I think they did manage to walk that tightrope a little bit better uh but as i mentioned before cutting back to the assassin team felt like a different movie it, it truly did and did not did. mesh well with what they were trying to do with everything else so yeah every time they cut to them i was like can, you know like you said joseph just can we get back to Matt yeah, yeah, yeah. and the much better movie that i've been watching it's it's like you're watching tv and you're like flipping back between like a drama and a cartoon you're like okay the cartoons for kids let's go back to the drama i'm more invested in this over here come on let's flip back yeah, yeah, and, and you know, do one but, or the other. Like John Wick does over the top action throughout, mm -hmm. and is he never tries to be overly serious. So like, give me one or the other. 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this, this does, this feels like it's trying both to have its cake and eat it too, in a lot of ways. So I, yeah, I get in a lot of ways that those, those two sides of the coin don't always mesh well. I, again, I had, I had a lot of fun with it, but your mileage may vary. <laughs> um, I, I just, again, just the, and, and half the jokes in this movie, someone, I read another letterbox review, half the jokes in this movie seem to be like, Oh, we just killed that person. Isn't that hilarious? And whereas I never, I never saw that funny, like some of the, some of the reveals and, and some of the reactions to some of the death I found really funny. Like again, uh, Cindy with the giant jar of pickles under her arm and just like, can we get out of here? Like taking the pickles with her. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I'm just some very relatable content here. Just someone who absolutely loves pickles and is could care less <laughs> about the murder. Just give her the pickles. I don't, I I was too distracted by all the other bullshit going on in that scene. I didn't notice her with a jar of pickles under her arm. Like I was too busy being annoyed with everything else going on to care. <laughs> so and, good and for I, you for noticing. I mean, I just, again, it, that was the part that I found pretty funny. The fact that they're, they're being so loud, torturing the, the drag queen in Austin that they, <laughs> he can't hear what Vivian's saying on the other end of the phone. Like the first time I thought it was just like, playing off as a joke and then he keeps saying no really i can't hear you it's way too loud over here <laughs> and she just keeps talking like i love that stuff like that was uh, apparently that was in the movie for me um because again i like again one of my favorite movies is gremlins too i love that kind of over the top anarchic chaotic humor which i i think i think this movie did relatively well obviously it's not perfect but there are moments when i thought it, it worked really well and then of course the the scene in the cabin where they all get uh, customarily murdered by a naked Mads Mikkelsen mm. is um, I think a good way to segue from that, like goofy cartoonish stuff into like that gritty serious stuff that Mads has been doing the whole movie. And it kind of, I think at that point, the movie really kind of shifts gears and gets a lot more interesting. Personally. So maybe it was like, there was almost two movies competing and then the Mads Mikkelsen movie killed the other movie and took it over. Exactly. That's kind it's, of a fun. I like that idea. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I, I really like that scene. I, one of the things I love about John Wick is that they allow the main character to be overpowered and to actually defeat the cocky villains who think they're going to win. Right. Mm. Um, and that he outsmarts them at every step of the way. And it's super satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I quite enjoyed that part of the movie. That was yeah. a great scene. That was yeah. great. He comes I mean, out of that tree. Oh, that was a great, that was a great shot. You know, he's going to get out of it. Okay. But the question is how, because you've seen right. these guys customarily dismantle so many people up to this point that you kind of just want to know how he's going to get out of it. And he, I don't think the movie disappoints us in that regard. Nope. That was, that was satisfying. I did enjoy that. Not yeah. all bad. Wasn't all bad. No, no. <laughs> they he, have good he, things to say about the movie too. It's, it's good to have that payoff of like, you're talking up this guy as he's this, this incredible assassin that's lived for all these years. And, you know, Vivian constantly saying, don't fuck with this guy. I warned you not to fuck with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he lives up to that reputation. And, and in the end, she's, I think the only person at Damocles that does not die. Her and the secretary are like the only people at, affiliated with Damocles that don't just outright die. Well, yeah, her death is ambiguous. You don't know if she dies or not. I think I think they'd want to keep her around for any potential sequel that might come up. Probably. Can, can we can we pause for the cause here to talk about that secretary? I think she was probably my favorite character. Oh, she's just great. Com- 
completely unflappable oh dear do you need to oh oh just just that lovely old english lady it was so also really ineffectual because anyone that comes in (laughs) right right into that guy's office like she would you like some tea dear anybody i'll put on the coffee for you then so and just takes his axe at the end like it's nothing like yeah he just hands it to her (laughs) finished already sir (laughs) you're just like Okay. Oh, that was good. That like, was here's good. the thing. It probably could not have been a uh, good working for Matt Lucas's character in this movie. He was probably a terrible boss. Probably. So I imagine they probably were. Most everyone seems okay with letting him die. Mm. Um, I do like that his the last of his guards straight up abandon him at the end when they see yep. Mads Mikkelsen coming in. I, I like <laughs> that a lot. And then he starts shooting them in the back as they run out. <laughs> well, they they scamper by him and they're like, oh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Just as, as polite as possible. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah it, it's absolutely great um yeah no i and let's let's talk a little bit about matt lucas let's do the matt lucas thing uh for, for this um uh when when is the first time that you guys saw matt lucas pop up in a movie uh don't know about a movie community i think was my first exposure to him him and yeah was that same. was that right him and rebel wilson were like brother and sister am i getting that right let me Somebody correct me if i'm wrong uh yes no you're correct he played uh toby in the episode conventions of space and time yeah they were that was really that was a good episode it was funny uh the first thing i saw him in uh was the movie small apartments no it was actually <laughs> shut up <laughs> Uh, he was actually in the uh, the the version of the the last concert version of Les Misérables that they did. He played uh, Monsieur Thénardier oh. in in Les Misérables and actually was really funny in it. Uh, and I thought okay. he did a really good job. So I was like, okay, this guy. And then I started seeing him like pop up and stuff. I like did some homework on him, and apparently he was like the star of a show called Little Britain, uh, where hmm. he played like a white. It was like two people who just played like a ton of characters. Um, apparently naturally hairless matt lucas uh and of course he uh was gonna say brett you might know him from the tim burton alice in wonderland movie where he plays tweedledee and tweedledum yeah no this community was the first place i saw him but yeah i absolutely know him from that as well okay um but yeah that comes out 2010 um that's probably the thing i knew him from first and then um yeah he just he he's just kind of one of those people that pops up and stuff every now and again and then of course he pops up in um the great british baking show like a couple seasons ago which i watch religiously because hell yeah british food content um I, <laughs> i've I, heard I, that's a really good show i have so it's much really it's it's so relaxing like i can just put it on and just like get lost in like you know kind british people like stressing out about whether or not their cake is going to collapse for like an hour and just it just chills me right out wow okay like i it sounds great. lovely it, it kind that of out. is. It that sounds like is. something the wife would like. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay would probably love that. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, in, and again, he just like pops up and stuff every now and again. So it's it's always like, oh, that I know I know who that guy is. He's apparently going to be in the upcoming uh Timothy Chalamet Willy Wonka movie. Mm. Uh in an as yet un unknown role. But I mean, if he's not the Oompa Loompas, I'll eat my hat. Yeah, I was about to say it's clearly that, right? I mean, he's got to be the Oompa Loompas, right? There's thousand percent. We're just we're uh, that's got to be the case. So there's going to be a Timothy Chalamet Willy Wonka movie. Yeah, it's like a Wonka Origins kind of thing because it's not enough that we have characters that we love. We have to know where they come from, Joseph. They can't just pop into our lives fully formed. We have to know their origins. We have to know why they are the way that they are. The lore. 
is that a story that we asked to be told? Like as a society, did we call for a Willy Wonka origin story? Nope. But you know what? Tim Burton gave us one anyway. And now everyone has to do it. Everyone's got to put their own spin on it and make it their uh, own. Grown. Moving on. Yeah, I know. It, I mean, that's <laughs> that's what happens when your entire model of, uh, of filmmaking is based around cinematic universes, Joseph. Yeah. Like yeah. we've got to take these characters and just milk as much content out of them as is humanly possible. This episode proves anything. It's that is that music video directors should be doing all movies. Is that what you, is that what we're saying? <laughs> what is that? Is that what we're saying? I don't know. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. No, no, that's made. that's not our takeaway, audience. That is not our takeaway. <laughs> what an what an interesting idea you've just posited, Joseph. I think that should be the new basis of this podcast entirely. Oh God, help us all. Oh yes, indeed, uh, and I'm sure he will. Um, but uh, but okay. So what what else did we? I don't know. What else did we kind of I'm I'm just completely my brain shut down. I'm checking my notes to see what else I uh listed. I I did love the big warehouse scene at the end with the like robotic like Gatling guns that just mm. mowed down a thousand guys. Just just when he opens his hand and they all yes. die. I mean, as an American, I just have that in my I just love to see that so much. Hook it to my veins. Yep. Guns, lots of guns, yas queen, yas. Um bad guys get mowed down. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did we think of the fact that they more or less skipped the climax of the movie entirely? You mean when they he decapitates oh boy or yeah yeah when when you're you're coming in for the face off and he's got the gun and the sword and he's like all right and then you cut to outside you hear a glass break and then his head just bounces into the front of the frame i was honestly fine with that i thought that was pretty cool because obviously the what was his name matt lucas obviously his Mm -hmm. character could not hold a candle to Mads Mikkelsen so there wasn't going to be a big final battle between the two it was just going to be it was always always going to be Mads Mikkelsen just going in there and you know cutting him in half yeah what what were you expecting Steven there was there wasn't going to be a big legal sword fight to the death it was just going to be Mads Mikkelsen killing him immediately yeah not even not even a little bit of a fight I don't know what you were expecting I don't know something um no not the head why. the head through the window then sliding up to the camera i was i was totally fine with, with that, that was look okay. of surprise on his face like right yeah i thought it was, was great that was um, good. there's a scene earlier in the movie and i think if you'd cast anyone else or like given matt lucas any kind of sword training at all you could have probably fin- used that as kind of a way to undercut the suspense like because earlier in the movie there's a scene with matt lucas kind of like playing with the ancient sword mm. and he seems like the most inept person to ever handle the sword. But in any other movie, that would be the scene where you get the guy to like show off some of that. He actually can use a sword. Right. Right. So that in the end, you believe that this person might stand a chance, but you kind of completely erase all of that by having Matt Lucas just kind of gleefully hacking at nothing (laughs) while like three people in suits and sunglasses sit very bored at his at his office table which again that's that's another one of those situations where they zigged instead of zagging and i give mm -hmm. them credit for that just like they like they so easily could have done like what you described but we've seen that so many times i think it's probably best that they didn't that they made him just a complete useless Especially, especially for you know the last half of this movie we are showing him as this completely inept scared leader running away and crying at literally every turn yeah Yeah. like the only way he's in any way effective is if mads mickelson is literally chained from both sides and dangling in front of him and even then he still needs to get up on a stepladder um 
So you were then expecting that guy to actually fight back and no, hold his own for just, a couple minutes. I, no, I just think it, it kind of undercuts a lot of the tension because you're you're building to this moment. And then the next thing you know, there's a head sliding in, in front of the screen and you're like, oh, okay, there is there is a there over. is a there's a case to be made for that. I get that. That is a little slightly disappointing. But I, I, mean, just, I guess I think it also a, from a narrative standpoint, it's, right, it's a little right. it, it takes a lot of the wind out of your sails and then it keeps going for 15 minutes. <laughs> But I think it also jives with his character because he's hmm. obviously not someone who built that empire. He inherited it from his father. Is that what we were supposed to glean? Yeah. Damocles organization was like a family thing and he just mm-hmm. inherited it. His, so that his makes dad sense who his has character. the same weird birthmark over his like the right. Chavian birthmark on his face. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Yes, I, I think it worked just fine. I didn't see a problem with it at all. All right. Well. And that 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 final scene in the cabin with uh, Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Mads Mikkelsen, I thought was fantastic. Anyone else see that coming from a mile off? Or that's that's me? that's where the tension was. Yeah, that's, that was that's that where was all your your precious tension was. It was right there. <laughs> He's like he gives her complete permission to kill him, and then you know she ends up deciding not to. I liked that a lot. I thought that was yeah, great. Same. And then of course with the idea that he is going to be basically teach her how to get revenge right on the people that killed her father and of course that's where that's what the next movie is so and that was that brings up another thing i wasn't sure if it was just completely useless or not but that the baddies pump her up full of heroin i guess is mm-hmm. that supposed to be yep. more conflict for a second movie like she's I don't, an addict now and has to deal with that i don't know because she, it seems so useless just it does. Completely pointless that they did that and we don't know how how long they're sitting in the cabin before she wakes up and arranges all of her newspaper clippings there, on the bed there is either. an iv there so i like we presume that she got detoxed but then right. it's like why did they do it at all it, it provided no conflict there was no point agreed yeah it's kind of it, it basically just a way of neutralizing that character when you could have done that in any number of ways so we're just going to do right. it in a way that makes this more upsetting for literally no reason well it was very no, upsetting okay hold on now there was a matt lucas line where he says when he's trying to trade for her and she's like is, is she what's she worth or is she even worth anything and he says well when i'm done with her she won't be sure like so he, oh, he's, so he's, he's like trying to destroy her before he gives her back to mads mickelson was that the idea yeah it's kind of like a slap in the face is like gotcha. a, you know she's okay. not worth trading for i'm gonna kill you both anyway but then he doesn't really seem like he's ever going to give her back to mads right. mickelson because when yeah. he calls to set the location they all show up there to kill him not knowing that he's got you know a robot arm controlled gatling gun uh, or a series of robot arm controlled Gatling guns uh, perched above them to wipe them all out. Cause he seems, he seems very sure that Mads Mikkelsen is going to die, makes himself a nice giant crumpet cream puff thing, and then drops it as soon as Mads Mikkelsen starts wholesale murdering. His oh crew. no, guys, I think we just found the first plot hole in this movie. Dang it. <laughs> well, so, no, hold on. It was a wait. perfect film up until, wait, wait. oh, no, let's, Brett's going to put us back not, on track, Brett. Let's not jump Save us, Brett. Look. <laughs> It's clear that they have plan B's in place for situations because that's what they do to capture her to begin with. Sure. I imagine she was plan B uh, okay. and he just happened to rescue her. So oh, thank God. It's back to being a perfect film. Well done, Brett. <laughs> well done, Brett. I figured it out. You figured it out. You did it. Is, is, Brett, the, writing, is the writing of well this done. movie good? No, it's not at all. <laughs> I got to jump through some hoops to figure out how this plot works, but I did it. I'm not happy about it, but I did. Yeah, I think it. that's that's. I think that's more work than the screenwriter put in. But yeah, you know, I was going to say that's, that's an intense amount of rationalization for a movie that really does not deserve your rationalization. But. 
no, I'm just, I mean, look, there's stuff to not like about this movie. Let's not go out of our way to not like stuff. Well, right, no, I, right. I wasn't going out of my way not to like it. I'm just, I'm just saying like, it, it doesn't seem like there was a purpose behind them doing what they did to her other than just to upset your audience. Like how edgy can we be? Let's crank this up. And that, that was very disturbing to see because that, that kind of thing is done like with, you know, sex trafficking and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So it was, it was very, that bothered me. Yeah. That was my dog getting shot scene. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that could have been what they were doing. They were going to use it for sex trafficking afterwards. I don't know. Right. Like, or, or again, that could have been part of the sequel where she has to struggle with this addiction. And that's her conflict for the next story arc. Because yeah. I assume they did want to do sequels. That's why we're talking about it. But it didn't happen. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like they were like, yes, we have a film in mind. Uh, We know there's more comics, so we know there's more source material. We really were focused on this movie, but we absolutely can keep going with sequels if if there's a demand for it. And it doesn't appear that there's a demand for it. So it's not like one of those like calculated moves, like we're going to make this a franchise, whether people like it or not, like so many (laughs) of the movies we talk about. But it's definitely one where they set the stage for like, "Ah, what do you guys should we should we should we franchise guys? What do you think? And uh, America pretty much decided, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> Mainly because it's a next Netflix movie and they buried it, like you said. Right. That's what, yeah. that's what Netflix does. Yeah. And, and whether intentionally or not, but it seems like this one is a little more intentional. Again, you release the trailer a week before the thing comes out. Um, and this is not even the best Netflix action movie that I've seen in the past year. Um, Gunpowder Milkshake was a lot better than this movie. Um, but I've seen that one. Is that worth watching? That's pretty fun. Okay. Uh, you get you get Karen Gillan kicking all kinds of ass. So. Oh, I like her. She's cool. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, but I I liked that one significantly more than this. Which again, I'm positive on this movie. I like this movie, but um, I think I think Gunpowder Milkshake's a much better film. Sure. Um, for for a, a lot of reasons, not least of which is it's it's female characters exist for something other than uh, sex or damsel in distressedness. So. Yeah, that's uh, that was again. I've already stated this, but that was one of my big complaints about this movie. It's like, come on, really? Are we still doing this? You said this came out just a couple of years ago, too. Twenty nineteen. Right? This yeah. was not like the nineties. This was not late eighties. Come on. No. Yeah. So <sighs> whatever, it, whatever. Yeah, it's it's one of those kind of things where you're just like, I mean, really? Like, really? This is this is where we are right now. But yeah, apparently this is where we are right now. Yeah. No, thank you. It's also a January release, which again, that's kind of the dumping ground for everything you don't really care about. Um, so like Netflix kind of knew this is not something that's gonna gonna so go had, much further than this. Had they screened it for a bunch of critics who panned it and that's why they dumped it? Like did I they screen it beforehand? So. Like okay, I don't think just... so, because everything that I'm seeing is mostly like complaints about the time. Like and then that's they probably got a, a limited theatrical release, but it this mm. was probably not something that they ever anticipated for like awards traffic or or anything. Sure, sure. It's just kind of we bought the rights to this thing because we buy the rights to everything and we've got it and we're kind of less than impressed by it. So uh, who cares? Gotcha. Like okay. very little advertising, just kind of dump it on the service. Um, it comes out January twenty fifth, twenty nineteen. Um, so it's like right at the beginning of the year. Um. Hey, do you guys again. remember? You, you guys remember 2019? You guys remember 2019? Honestly. Oh man, was it 2019? I, great. I'm having a hard time remembering anything past March of 2020. To be quite honest oh, with man. you. Oh man. Yeah. 2019. Uh, good times. More more innocent times, perhaps. Simple a simpler age, to be sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The blissful ignorance of 2019. Right. <laughs> if only we knew what was coming. Oh, <laughs> would we? Would we have? What would we have done oh, differently? Boy. Oof. 
so Oof. much let me tell oh, you yeah so I, much i can tell you what i would have done i would have switched jobs because i'm a specialist in a clinical laboratory and when the plague hit it kind of destroyed us we were doing like 12 hour shifts for months it was ridiculous yikes that's what i would have done differently anyway <laughs> yeah let's let's not get into what we would have done differently before the plague because i think that's going to take some of us into some dark places right let's let's move past the COVID talk we've just right. enough of that but uh but yeah so um so polar again uh came out in january of 2019 um no uh, no box office numbers on this one at all because it's a Netflix movie. Sure. So there is literally no box office to go on. Um, I can do the box office for the weekend that it came out, but what what would that what would that do? <laughs> like that would be almost as useless as listing all the music videos that the director did, which we we right. are not going to waste time on that. Obviously, no, so. obviously, <laughs> no. Why, would, why would we? We would do never that? do that. <laughs> <laughs> who would who would who would even who, who would listen to that who would even i i you gotta wonder uh why anyone <laughs> listens to this podcast really uh, because it's a great day, podcast no i'm gonna let's do a hard stop here this is a fantastic podcast i've been listening to it since the beginning it gets me through my nights i look forward to wednesday night becoming thursday morning so that it drops on my phone i come on this podcast because i love it i love listening to it you guys you do a fantastic job it's insightful, it's funny, it's entertaining. And if audiences out there are not yet listening to it, they should. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, thanks, I'm, gonna buddy. I'm gonna tattoo all that on my chest and walk around with no shirt on. Uh, we 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 know at this point your your status as our biggest fan has been usurped by our mutual friend Tucker. Which which I fully give to the boy. He he's he is your number one guy for sure. And I, I, I take off that crown and I give that to him. That's okay. Cause he, he goes above and beyond well, he's got he's, music for you. That guy's the best. He really you're, our, you're our first fan. You he's are. Our, our okay. He's, he's, he's our biggest <laughs> just not, fan. Just not number one. Got it. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and that is a distinction we give to you because here's the thing you, I think you were probably the first person to listen to the show outside of two yeah. of us. All right. Uh, you must've been, cause you knew it was coming. And that's true. We did talk about it. Yeah, and yeah. by the time I woke up on the Thursday morning that it dropped, there was already a, uh, um, an Apple podcast review, uh, posted for this podcast. So again, you are easily our first fan. And All right. For that, I will we it. will, we will never cease to thank you. <laughs> uh, you were also our very first guest lest we forget. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I am honored. Sure. I am honored. I will be back as much as you like. But since you asked for it, Joseph, here's the top five at the box office on January 25th, oh, 2019. All right, everybody. <laughs> Fast forward 30 seconds, maybe a minute. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do when I start talking about, like when I start pitching the Patreon anyway. Um, so in number one, in first place, uh, holding its number one status for the second week in a row, it's M. Night Shyamalan's Glass uh, is the, the film that opened at number mm, one device and stayed number movie. one. Yeah. In second place is the movie The Upside. What if there was an upside? Um, in third place in its sixth week, so holding over from uh, late 2018, is Aquaman. Okay. Um, and uh, we we stand the uh, we stand the crab people in that movie. Absolutely. Uh, in fourth place, new this week, the only new movie in the top five is uh, The Kid Who Would Be King, a movie I'm fairly certain we can cover on this podcast one day. That's a Joe Cornish movie, the the man who gave us Attack the Block. Yeah, Joe Cornish is good. What is this yeah. movie? It's the kid who would be king. It's kind of a, it's an Arthurian legend set at a British high school kind of a thing. 
Huh. Maybe, if it's Joe next, Cornish, I'll check it out because he's maybe good. Next he's time good we come, people. maybe next time you come on, you should we should cover that one. Maybe I'm gonna do a little bit of research about the next movie I choose. So we'll see, Joe I Cornish. Mean, just, we'll you see. Know, all the all the sex in this movie. I'm like, man, Joseph. Yeah. And then I remembered, oh yeah, Joseph doesn't know anything about these movies. Nope. So I think if he'd have known about this movie, he probably wouldn't have picked it. Probably. But then I I we no, I, I am going to stick to the going in completely blind. Okay. For good or ill, as you said at the top, I'm gonna continue to just stab in the dark and whatever movie it is we're gonna cover it i will say this movie no matter has what. far more nudity i think than any movie we've ever covered on this podcast before yeah so yeah. i mean she puts them on the glass at one point like that was wild I'm but just, just again what like the hell the, movie am i watching the exploitiveness like the camera work where they're just mm-hmm. like shoving it in there it's like come on oh, yeah come on these and people agreed like, to be in this movie i know money's like, money but come on and, like, puts it up on the table and i'm like okay he's going for it all right yeah and in its seventh week, uh, maintaining its its steady uh, posture at in fifth place is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Maybe one of the best films of 2018. Oh, heck yeah. Easily. Um, a movie we love. Uh, rounding out the top 10 in sixth place. Uh, mounting its Oscar campaign that would ultimately sadly be successful. It's Green Book. Um, oh yeah, Green Book. In seventh place, it's one of those movies where a dog has to do something. It's a dog's way home. Uh, this mm. time, um, what if the dog found a way home? Uh, in eighth place, it's in that's new this week is Serenity, not the Firefly movie, but the uh, Matthew McConaughey and uh, Anne Hathaway are in a video game movie. I guess yeah. spoilers for Serenity. I've heard about that movie. I heard it was super weird for yeah, the premise that I, you just described. Yeah. That's what I heard too, and that's why I've not seen it. Yeah. Uh, in ninth place, Escape Room. What if there was an escape room? That movie would have been fun to cover on this podcast, but it got a sequel last year. Mm. Little known fact. And then in 10th place, um, she's she's back and she's badder than ever. And this time it's personal. Uh, Mary Poppins returns in 10th place <laughs> at the box office this week. Um, the Tomatometer score for Polar is a, a shocking, maybe shocking, maybe not 19%. That low, really? That that wow. low. It is uh, audience score is slightly higher at sixty nine percent. So it yeah. gets there. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, the Metascore, uh, overwhelming dislike based on twelve critic reviews, is also nineteen. One of those rare instances where the Metascore and the Rotten Tomato score are right on track of the absolutely the same. See, I fully expected to be in the minority with disliking this movie. I didn't realize it was so widely disliked. Oh, no, no. This okay. movie is universally. In fact, um, I figured the, boobs and guns, everybody would be on board with it. No, okay. again, Edgelord John Wick, Joseph. <laughs> I'm so good. I'm so good. Edge Lord John Wick, something we're going to keep coming back to, I guess. Um, uh, whoever wrote that, give them the Pulitzer. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, I think that was um, contrary. Oh, no. Uh, he, I'm sorry. The, the words, the actual words, the inevitable Edge Lord variation on John Wick, where the actual words, but that is uh, Chris Cabin. Well done, Chris Cabin. Um, but, and then uh, the letterbox score is a 2.5 out of 5. Uh, Joseph, as our guest, out of five stars, how would you rank uh, Polar? Uh, I'm vacillating between two and three because there was stuff about the movie that I liked. They're truly two and a half. We'll let you get it, give it a half star. <sighs> I'm just wondering if the whole Mads Mikkelsen, Vanessa Hudgens, and Hudgens? I feel Hudgens, like I keep messing yeah. up her name. Okay, because she was so great and I really liked their stuff. I'll go two and a half. I'll go two and a half. You'll go two and a half? There was a lot I didn't like, but there was some that I did. I'll go two and a half. Okay. Brett. Same. Two and a half. 
two and a half. All right. I, I originally put it at a three and a half. I'm I'm knocking it down to three because I'm still pretty positive on this movie. Okay. Um, but there we go. Uh, let's let's do a little quick Vanessa Hudgens sidebar. Uh, because uh, do you know what she's best known for, Joseph? I don't know her at all. Three uh, words for you, my friend. What's up? High school musical. I don't know what that is. You don't know what high school musical is? Oh, good for you. Should I mean, I? bravo. Just don't. No, you don't. You don't need to know what high school musical is. Is it is it like is it high school like kid crap movies? Because I just I they avoid were Disney that Channel movies. Okay, that's that's why yeah. I, I don't know that. Yeah. Crap. Um, My kids are not into that. I, I don't let them watch that garbage. It's it's the movie that that introduced us to a one Mr. Zachary Efron. Oh, who I would argue has also kind of gotten away from that Disney mold. I've seen him in some stuff that I've been impressed with, like Baywatch. You were, I'm sure you were very and, impressed by Baywatch. Oh, and you will man. recently see him Lindsay, starring oh, in the Firestarter remake. Oh, is he going to be in the Firestarter really? remake? He, he, plays, he plays the father in the Firestarter remake, yes. Okay, interesting. Is that, okay, because uh, he did a, uh, Stephen, what is it? Uh, me and Orson Welles? What was that movie yes, called? Yes, Me and Orson Welles. That is on that bookshelf back there. Yeah, and he was, re- he was really good in that. I liked it. He was great in Me and Orson Welles, actually. That is a movie that I uh, very much enjoy. Um, but yeah, so both of them, they were the, the, the two leads of high school musical. Okay. Um, and she's kind of done her best to try to, I think, get away from the Disney vein. Sure. She was in sure. the 2012 Harmony Kareen film spring breakers, um, which is kind of like, um, a weird, like teenage teen girls go wild and spring break kind of thing. Pass. Uh, James Franco's in that playing, um, a scuzzy human being, Pass. right? Pass. <laughs> I know it, it's fertile. I, I, how did, however, did he play? A role uh, like that, I wonder. The method acting, yeah. Right? She's in she's in Machete Kills uh with the great Danny Trejo. Oh yeah. Uh, she's in a movie that Jamie we Trejo. weirdly invoke a lot on this podcast, Journey to the Mysterious Island. Um, I think my kids watched was that with Brendan Fraser and or The Rock? The first one had Brendan Fraser, the second one has The Rock. Okay, okay. I think that has been played at my house. Yes. Uh she's on uh two future uh back-to-back future ep- uh, episodes of this show, Beastly and Sucker Punch. Um, she's the star, uh, she stars in both okay. of those movies. Okay. Um, so I mean, then that's kind of like her coming out of the of the Disney mold is and she she's basically beastly then sucker punch journey to spring breakers and that's the i'm not a kid anymore um and then she just kind of blows up after that but um but yeah i mean vanessa i mean she's kind of chilling now she was in rent live that uh debacle um from also from 2019 where someone like broke their foot during the uh like in between the um the the rehearsal and the actual show and so the the thing wasn't live it was actually the filmed version the filmed rehearsal is what we saw because oh. like one of the cast members almost like broke their leg in between oh no the only part that was actually live is the part where both the original cast and the new cast came together to sing the the, the song 525,600 minutes right right um but then she was also recently this year in the academy award nominated film tick tick boom so, which i okay that must be where i know it because i saw that and thoroughly enjoyed tick tick yeah. boom that was a great movie she's in i think a couple of the better numbers in tick yes yeah, she is in yeah when they do the stage performance she mm-hmm. sings with okay that's what yeah. i know her from all right yeah. good for her she's great and she's in fact great. i think maybe the second best number of the show is the one where her and andrew garfield are sitting there singing that song like really quick back the super and forth. goofy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i liked yeah. that a lot is, yeah, yeah. is really fun okay uh, she's good. also good. in my little pony a new generation as sunny star scout I surprise, surprise, have not seen that one. Uh, and Brett, she's you're in, a brony, right? If you, can you tell us about that? You were you were telling us in the chat that you were a brony. Is that right? 
No. Well, okay. He says no audience, but he's typing into the chat that he's a <laughs> hardcore brony. And you I can't mean, see the video, but in the background, he's got shelf after shelf of My Little Ponies. So many shelves. Oh, wow. Um, Brett, I, I think wish, you got a problem, bud. I wish I knew all their names <laughs> so I could point out, but I have no idea. She was well, he does, and he'll tell you. Go ahead, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, she, she was also in the TV show based on the <laughs> Zack Snyder film, uh, Army of the Dead, called Army of the Dead Las Vegas. That's one of those things that they okay. willed into a franchise, is that Army of the Dead thing. Um because yeah uh, that movie was not, that movie has good. already gotten a sequel that movie came out last year it's already gotten a sequel and this uh apparently this uh the show is coming very quickly so um hooray what, a, what is the show um i guess it's a spinoff uh, scott ward and his rescue crew's efforts to protect all they love during the first phases of the mysterious zombie outbreak in vegas okay. i have shockingly not seen the Zack snyder zombie movie on netflix um, I, I know this I, is hard for you to believe i apologize to my wife after making her sit through it i was like that was really really bad i'm so sorry <laughs> baby and getting back to baywatch we started watching that and we turned it off like 20 minutes in that's the right move we were just like you know what do we really want to spend the rest of no okay off I, uh, I I will say that I was as dismissive as I was of that movie. It did uh, lead to a very angry interaction with one of our friends. So, oh really? <laughs> yeah. He he, uh, he apparently uh, did not think that the hashtag you don't know Baywatch was one that he uh, he liberally employed that next day at the office. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. He, he stopped listening to the podcast after that. Oh okay. Well, hmm. <laughs> three who episodes f- in. We're who feels that listeners. strongly about the Baywatch episode? A uh, buddy of ours apparently. No, so, you don't. You don't get to feel that strongly about the Baywatch movie. You can feel however you want to about any movie. No, you can't. It is, it's okay no. to like a movie. It's okay to dislike a movie. It's okay to dislike this movie. Well, it was. It was apparently Stevens' somewhat apparently condescending tone about how much he didn't like it is yeah. what made them stop listening. Yeah. Oh uh, well. Which is okay. why I've endeavored to be less condescending. You're a podcaster. You're supposed to be the most condescending. I and yet, yeah, but see, that's those are those are the podcasts people hate to listen. Or well, here's the thing: a lot of people do like to listen to those podcasts, but um, those aren't the podcasts I like to listen to. So I sure, never not sure, to be sure. that kind of podcast. Okay, I, I get it. I do. I do appreciate the positive spin you guys try to take on everything. We that's do. Good. We we try yeah. to say at least some good things about everything that we watch, unless it's Baywatch. Unless it's Baywatch <laughs> Maybe we should do a, an apology Baywatch episode. You should not do that. Maybe or, be our, maybe do not apologize our for anything negative you said about our food, episode our food should fight. be our Baywatch apology episode. Let's talk about food fight. We can just do that. Oh no! I was going to oh, say, oh man, you guys, that episode—you were just oh. If I, I felt like I was listening to people being tortured. Here's the thing: you guys um, were just like agonized the entire episode. Past and future guest Landon DeCrastis <laughs> listened to that episode, and the more he listened to it, he was like, "I want to watch because he's like, I love bad movies. I want to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I want to see if it's as bad as they say." Uh, I don't think he made it ten minutes. I, I it sounded that bad. That's, it's it's no thank you. It may be the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, it for all the it. reasons we stayed on that episode in Sonor. <laughs> if you want to seriously, and I, I've said this on many, I've said this on other podcasts, I've said it on our podcast. If you want to listen to Brett and I just slowly lose the will to live, go back and listen to our food fight episode. <laughs> um, because that's a hundred percent what happens on that episode. Oh, oh yes, quite uh, so without a doubt. <laughs> oof, big, big oof on that one. Yeah. Um, 
And speaking of things that are not big oofs, uh, Joseph, um, tell us a little bit more about The Endless Elsewhere. Obviously, sure. um, diehard listeners know more about it, but if they're just tuning in to hear us talk about Polar and why wouldn't they be, um, <laughs> maybe give us a, a brief little um, intro to the to the, um, to the the universe, to the show, sure. and let us know what you got coming up for season two. All right. Well, um, as we talked about at the top, uh, I have my own podcast. It's a fiction podcast called the Endless Elsewhere podcast. It's kind of a uh, kind of a docudrama, a supernatural docudrama, if you will. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of fun if you like the spooky, if you like the scary, but if you also kind of enjoy a nice little love story on the side, you should check it out. Um, the Endless Elsewhere podcast is a part of the greater Endless Elsewhere multimedia universe, which consists of a trilogy of historical novels, an anthology of short stories, a photographic novel, some short films, and we're actually going into production here in a couple of months on our first feature-length Endless Elsewhere movie, which... I'm going to be in a movie, ma. It's going to... Yeah, we're going to be working on that for a while, so no release dates on that. That's gonna, that's way down the road. We're going to have to do that in piecemeal just to you know, actually be able to accomplish it as we like um but season two of the podcast which i have been blown away by the reaction to we have people seem to really enjoy it which makes me very happy uh season two of that will be dropping um i'm gonna go ahead and announce it because i've been down to the wire i wasn't sure if i was gonna make my deadline or not i'm gonna go ahead and make it official uh the first wednesday of march will be chapter six okay. that continues the season that we started last year um before that, that second by the way March 2nd. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, in the weeks leading up to it, we are going to drop a recap episode of season one just to catch everybody up because there's a lot of story that goes on. Uh, we'll have a little teaser that follows that too. So be checking your feeds as we get closer to March because we will be dropping some other little stuff. But once again, we are doing a five episode season every Wednesday through March. And yeah, um, I'm almost done with it now. I have been cutting it together furiously. I had a person in here yesterday recording i have two more people coming in tonight but they are my my last actors that i'm done um i should have everything good to go and it's turning out very well i'm very happy with season two if you liked season one which quite a bit quite a bit of people did it's, internationally it's good. even it's thank really you, good thank you we uh yeah yeah season two is it picks up right where season one left off and, and you leave it on quite a cliffhanger if i if i may is. say it's uh yeah we have quite a bit more to do in season two and again i'm really proud of it. it's turning out very well both you and brett have parts in it for which i am eternally grateful you guys yeah. are my boys you're always there for me and i appreciate that so much so yeah be looking for that <laughs> i was gonna say our roles are not as as uh as dense as as some some roles but you know sure sure we, we, you'll you'll hear us if you listen close yeah I'm, I'm, like, I'm like this big but i'm there i'm there i mean I, there. The thing. my part not much bigger in this one which is fine he told he he warned me at the beginning he goes i don't have a lot for you but i got something for you i'm like okay i'll take it whatever yes Here's I, will, the thing. I, will I get try offended to find when you don't ask me to be in stuff, so like, i will, I will always find like, something yeah i got for something for you i'm like all right fine that's that's okay <laughs> absolutely well we uh like i said we're gonna start shooting in april for the film um i'm probably going to do the first segment of that uh, but then we're going to try to get into season three pretty soon after okay. I'm not going to give even a ballpark of when that'll be done, but I'm not going to wait, make everybody wait for too long. So you say I, you're doing the film kind of piecemeal. Are we going to do like a boyhood thing where we kind of age with the characters? Or <laughs> not quite. No, okay. not quite. <laughs> right. um, it's going to be kind of a, an anthology thing. So I'm going to be mm. able to concentrate on each segment of the film and treat it like its own independent story nice. and then string them all together with a unifying theme, which I'm going to, 
you know, leave that unsaid just so there's some surprises later. Sure. But yeah, we're going to try to do it. Mike, it's fine. Yes, I will. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to, like I, like you said, in piecemeal, we're going to try to just, you know, concentrate on each section at a time, do it over maybe a year or two, and then be able to cut it all together. Because okay. I don't know if you guys know this about movies, but they're really expensive and really hard to do. And you are, it should be noted, 100% independently financed. Oh, yes. Yes. I pay for all this crap myself. Yeah. So I'm mean, talking about that job I had with all the overtime. That's that's my backer. I'm my own backer. <laughs> uh, but you do. You should it also be noted. Uh, you do have a Patreon. We do um, have a Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash endless elsewhere. Yes. If uh, anyone wants to support us, you can jump on Patreon. Um, you can even support us by buying books. I mentioned that I have a trilogy of novels. I have an anthology of short stories. There is a photographic novel, which largely stars your friend and mine, Stephen E. Foxworthy. But for anyone who wants to check us out, I don't know if I mentioned this already. We are at endlesselsewhere.com that has links to literally everything that we do. The podcast, the books, the films, what have you. Um, there's also links to our social media if you want to follow along, we try to do fun stuff on there. Um, and yeah, I think that does it for my plugging. I would also, if I may, uh, encourage people to buy directly from your website. You can buy um, all of his stuff from Amazon and from, from bookstores online. If you buy it directly from Joseph's website, A, you can get it autographed and those proceeds go directly to him. So it's this a good way to, to support The Endless Elsewhere. And it's it's a really fun podcast. If you haven't um, checked out season one, you've got just a couple weeks uh, to get yourselves caught up because this episode is dropping on the 17th and the the third is 13 days or the second is 13 days from now. So you've got just under two weeks to get yourself caught up on those five episodes. It's good. And again, Brett and I are in there. So you'll you'll hear. So some if you like this voices. podcast, you're going to like that podcast. Absolutely. But yeah, so that is uh, that is all she wrote for our polar episode. Um, Mads Mickelson with an eye patch shooting a bunch of people. Your mileage may vary, but we generally were pretty positive on it. Uh, more positive than the whole of Letterboxd, <laughs> um, or at least the people I follow in Letterboxd. At any rate, uh, this has been our polar episode of the Disenfranchised Podcast. Uh, very special thanks once again to our very special guest, Joseph Leck. JP, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, of course, anytime. And uh, that is all she wrote. I guess we should probably talk about our social medias now, huh, Brett? Speak. Yes. <laughs> He's back to monosyllabic, everybody. Oh, born to podcast. I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says I can, that. I can it. guarantee it. Um, we are on uh, all your social medias, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Facebook at DisenfranchPod. Uh, shoot us an email, DisenfranchPod at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing or if there's any movies you want to hear us cover uh check out our patreon patreon.com slash disenfranchpod i am uh, your host stephen fox where you can find me on uh social media instagram letterboxd and twitter at chewy walrus brett where can we find you sir you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at sus underscore warlock all right fantastic and so then for our very special guest joseph jp leck and my co-host, Brett Wright, I am Stephen Fox, where they saying, until next time, do you remember the 21st night of September? <laughs> Great ending. Well done.